Welcome with me, Pastor Colin Urquhart. Okay, please be seated. Uh, I want to take you this morning to the Last Supper. Jesus, it says in the scripture, had longed for this occasion, which is strange because it immediately precedes his passion and crucifixion. He longed for this occasion because it was to be the climax of his three years or more with the disciples. And on this occasion, he brought them a series of revelations which were entirely new. Jesus hadn't said anything remotely like this previously in his ministry to the masses of people. It was as if there were certain things that had to be saved for this occasion. And he even waited until the one who was to betray him had left before he started on this series of revelations. And uh, they all focus around the fact that Jesus is now about to inaugurate a new covenant. Now, People often talk about covenant as being an agreement between two people. But actually, covenant in Scripture is based around a command of God and how he will faithfully fulfill certain promises if his people fulfill their side of the covenant, which is to obey the command that he's given. So we are in covenant relationship with God out of his love for us in establishing this new covenant. Now, if I asked you, do you love Jesus? I'm sure the majority of you would say, yes, I love Jesus. If I asked you what that meant, we'd probably have 200 different answers. Because we tend to be so subjective about our relationship with God and especially what we mean by loving God. But what Jesus is really saying to the disciples is that we are to love him in the way that he has loved us. Therefore, it's important for us to understand really what that means. Now, uh, I'm Joe's grandfather, as perhaps you know, and uh, myself and my wife and several members of our family are over here for the wedding later today. And actually, this sense of of covenant, of like a wedding covenant, 
is in the background of what is happening in all that Jesus is saying at the Last Supper. Let me just explain something to you uh, about how this worked in uh, the Jewish society of, of Jesus' time. I want you to imagine that this is the home of the bridegroom. And he goes to the home of his potential bride, the one that he wants to ask to marry him, and he takes with him a cup of wine. And he asks this lady to become his bride. Now, if she accepts the cup of wine and drinks of it, she is accepting that invitation to marriage, and at that moment becomes betrothed. Now, to be betrothed in Scripture is much more than an engagement as we understand it in our modern society, because betrothal could only be broken by divorce. So, although they're not married, although they're not living together, although they're their relationship is not consummated in any way, yet that betrothal is, to all intents and purposes, a lifelong commitment. Now, the bridegroom returns to his home, to his father's home, and everything is now under the authority of the father. And What has to take place now is to prepare a place for the bride. Do you remember Jesus said at the Last Supper, I go before to prepare a place for you. So everybody who is betrothed to him, Jesus goes and prepares a place for them. And the, the father is in charge of the whole proceedings. The son can only go and claim his bride when the father says, everything is now ready. The place, the room is prepared for her. You can go and collect your bride. You remember Jesus told the, the parable of the five wise and five foolish virgins? You see, they didn't know when the bridegroom was coming. He could come at any time, even in the middle of the night. He could come and claim his bride, but he couldn't come until the father sent him. So, in the understanding of the disciples, Jesus has come, and he's making this this covenant, and... uh, these disciples are going to be part of this covenant. But Jesus says a most extraordinary thing. He says to the disciples, if you love me, you will obey my teaching." Now listen, and the Father and I will come 
and make our home with you. Now, you see, to the disciples, they would have said, no, 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 that's not right. You come and claim your bride and you take her home. Well, that time will come. But meanwhile, Jesus says this extraordinary thing. To the disciples, it would have been absolutely extraordinary. If you love me, you will obey what I command you. And the Father and the Son will come to make their home with you. So, if you love Jesus, the Father and the Son have come to make their home with you. Now, I I assume that all of you here live in homes. California sort of seems developed enough for everybody to live in homes. But if you live in a home, you know who else lives there with you. Amen? I just want to make sure you're at the same meeting that I'm at. Okay. So, has the Father and the Son come to make his home with you? And of course, we're not talking about Houses now, we're talking about your body as the temple. Temple of the Holy Spirit. But has the Father and the Son come to make his home? Does he feel at home with you? If you love him, he's come to make his home with you. And if that's the case, you sure know it. So let's just go through what Jesus says about this covenant. Because, you know, we know Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he said, this is my body. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. So what is the command around which this new covenant is based? Well, Jesus made it clear. He said in John 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So I could say to you, right, do you love Jesus? And you would say, yes, yes, yes. But it would only be true, wouldn't it, if you are obeying his new command to love your brother and your sister in the same way that he has loved you. John, of course, who 
gives us this account of what goes on at the, or what went on at the Last Supper, wrote uh, a letter to the churches generally when he was about 80 years old, some 50 years, 50, 60 years after the Last Supper. And, uh, you know, he took no prisoners in what he's saying in that letter. I, I think it's the most challenging book in the whole Bible, the first letter of John, because it's so practical. And he said, if, if anyone says, I love God, but he does not love his brother, he is a liar. He is deceived, and the truth is not in him. So he takes no prisoners, does he? I mean, that's... Have you noticed elderly people seem to... They haven't got time to go around the houses. They go straight... <laughs> straight for the jugular, Yes. Well, the first letter of John is like that. He says, uh, anyone who says, I love God, but doesn't love his brother, he's a liar, he's deceived. The truth isn't in him. Because if you do not love your brother who you do see, you cannot love God who you do not see. But he who loves his brother loves God, and he who loves God loves his brother also. So if you take the message of, of 1 John, uh, you can summarize it by saying, if you want to know what your relationship with God is really like, look at your relationships with your brothers and your sisters in Christ, and that will tell you what your relationship with God is like. So if you think you have a great relationship with God, but actually you don't relate to your brothers and sisters you're fooling yourself. Uh -huh. And, you know, there are some people that they like independence. Did you know independence is the worst sin in the whole Bible? When, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that was the first act of independence. Huh? I hear people say, I value my independence, but God hates it. I mean, how can you love one another as he has loved you and be independent? I, I think I'm preaching the right message yeah. this morning. I, I, can, I can sort of sense some things are going home. Hallelujah. You don't have to invite me back. But while I'm here, I will make the most of it. Right? Okay. So let's, let's, let's just listen to Jesus, because he's always the best one to listen to, isn't he? So he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me where I am. But meanwhile, He's coming to make his home with you. That's the amazing thing. So <clears throat> Jesus says to these disciples, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So the spirit is the promise of God to those who obey him. 
Now, you see, you don't receive the Holy Spirit till you've turned your life over to Jesus, till you've repented of your sins and surrendered your life to Jesus. So at that moment, you're obeying him. And he gives you the gift of the Spirit so that the Spirit lives in you to enable you to constantly obey him. Do you understand the Spirit is God himself? Yes. So the Holy Spirit is never going to lead you into sin. He's never going to lead you into disobedience. He's never going to lead you into compromise. He's always going to lead you into the fulfillment of the will and purpose of God. You know, I've, I've had great privilege of, of living in revival and preaching in places in the world where there's real revival, not what people just call revival because there's a little blessing of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, I, can, I preached once in a church in, in South America where uh, the congregation was 150,000. That sounds like revival to me. And uh, <laughs> uh, that pastor came over and was preaching at our camp meetings. We have a camp meeting when several thousand people come every year. And uh, Aaron's coming and, and speaking at it this year. And uh, uh, we, we produced a, a video interview that we were going to send to leaders all over the country. And, and the interviewer asked him, can you sum up in one sentence what the secret of revival is? And he said, yes, it's very simple. You just listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he says. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants you to prosper in every way and every time. The Holy Spirit always wants you to do the will of God. The Holy Spirit always enables you to do the will of God. He doesn't only show you what to do, he enables you to do it. Which is why we live in dependence on the Spirit. Some of you are not looking very happy this is, a, this is a good, faith-building, encouraging message. I just <laughs> thought I'd tell you that. It's going to transform your life if you obey it. So there we are. So then, then Jesus said this, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. You know, sometimes I think in our worship we say, Oh, Lord, I love you. And we're perfectly sincere, aren't we? Perfectly sincere. I wonder how God answers that. You know, I think he says, well, I hear you, but I'll believe you if you obey me. Because, you know, loving me isn't sentiment. It's not emotion. It's not just having a nice, wizzy feeling. Uh, loving me is doing what I say. It's putting my word into action in the power of the Spirit that I've given to enable you to do that. So, uh, so he says, uh, whoever has my commands obeys them. He is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Wow, I mean, this is good. The Father and the Son are coming to make their home with us. And he says, if you love me and obey me, I'll show you myself. I'll reveal myself to you. Isn't that neat? Yeah. I mean, you know, we should, we should come on Sunday mornings expecting Jesus to reveal himself to us. When we pray every day, 
The scripture says we are to draw near, right near to the throne of God with sincere hearts and full assurance of faith. There before the throne, Jesus will reveal himself to you. You know, I came to know the Lord in a rather unusual way. There's no time to give my testimony now, but uh, I was just a young kid of nine or ten, and I didn't come from a Christian family. I had no Christian background at all. So, But God just revealed himself to me in his glory. And as a young kid, I thought it was so great. I, you know, I prayed every day, again and again and again, just waiting for a further revelation of his glory. But isn't it great when God reveals himself? But you see, he doesn't just reveal himself in experience. He reveals himself in his word. So if he reveals himself in his word, and then we put that word into action, he reveals himself in experience. This is what he's promising. If you obey my word, then I will come and reveal myself to you. Aren't you excited by that? I, mean, yeah, I, I think that's great, you know, Jesus making such a promise. So then Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And then he says, if you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the father. Why? Because if he didn't go to the Father, we couldn't receive the Spirit. And if we didn't receive the Spirit, then we wouldn't be able to love him. Are we there? So then he says, you know, he talks about being the vine and and the, the disciples of the branches in the vine. And he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. Now, let's take it as a given that God loves every single person in this room perfectly because God is love. So God loves every one of us perfectly. And he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. And what we have to understand is there's a difference between God loving you and remaining in his love. And Jesus says, the secret, you see, to remaining in his love is in this statement, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So it raises the question, okay, how did the Father love Jesus? And he actually answers that question, or he'd answered it earlier in in John chapter 10, verse 17, when he said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. Now that's interesting, because Jesus is saying, well, the father doesn't love me just because I'm his son. He loves me because... He has sent me to obey the commission with which he has sent me, which is to lay down my life. Now, 
of course, when Jesus said that, he hadn't yet laid down his life on the cross, but he'd laid down his life in the way that he was living because he lived to love. He lived to serve rather than be served. So he said, I haven't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Are you still breathing? I'm always ready for resurrections, but... Okay. So, so this is, this is wonderful, you see, that uh, Jesus expressed his love for the Father by obeying the Father to the extent of being prepared to lay down his life. He said, I haven't come to do my own will. I've come to do the will of him who sent me. So he said, you are to love one another as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this that a man lays down his life for his friends. Now, do you know why you are a member of this church? You see, if you are a member of this church because you want to be edified and blessed and built up and helped and encouraged and have all your needs met, you haven't yet understood what it means to belong to this church. Or to any church. Because you see, you belong to a church not for your sake, but for the sake of all the other members. Hello? You, you, you belong to them. You are part of the same body. You're a limb of the body. And so you need to be a healthy limb to enable the whole body to function healthily. Uh-huh. You are there to serve, to love, to lay down your life for, for all the other members of the body. Now, what does that mean in practice? Well, it means you live for them rather than for yourself. Now, that's not exactly the American dream, but it's Jesus' dream <laughs> that he has... He has a people that are living for others and not for themselves. And you see, he says, that's what I want my church to be. Everybody loving one another like that. So that when people come in amongst that kind of love, immediately they feel that they're welcome, they're accepted, they belong, that there's all these other people living for them. It's called church. It's called the body of Christ. See. Now, this is living in the love of Jesus. See? Obeying his command to love one another as I have loved you. And John puts it in his first epistle that if he loved us by laying down his life for us, then we also ought to love one another by laying down our lives for one another. Uh-huh. Now, <clears throat> Let me use this table as an example. Now, take this table to represent Jesus. Now, God has taken hold of my life and he's put me in Jesus. So, Jesus is love. God is love. So, I'm abiding in his love. And he gives me this command. Remain in my love. And then he says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. 
Now that's amazing because you see, if Jesus had not obeyed the Father's commands, he would not have remained in the Father's love. He would have been like the first Adam who acted in independence and disobeyed and sinned and lost fellowship with God. If Jesus had sinned just once, just in some small, tiny way, then there would have been no salvation for anyone because he would no longer have been one with the Father in love. Are you with me? Okay, now watch this next bit. See, because this is the important thing. So Jesus says, you will remain in my love, at one with me in my love, if you obey my commands, just as I remained at one with the Father in his love by obeying his commands. So what happens if we disobey? Does God stop loving us? No, he doesn't stop loving us, but you see, this happens. We're no longer living in his love. Why? Because that disobedience is coming between us and is affecting our relationship and is affecting our unity And if if I realize this is happening, I need to quickly recognize the fact and say, oh, Lord, forgive me. I haven't been obeying you in whatever area. I haven't been loving in the way that you have called me to love. So I'm coming back to live in your love. What happens if, if, you know, we, we get here and think, oh, well, you know, I'm no worse than any other Christian. And Oh, well, yeah, it's true. God has blessed me in the past. And yes, I used to be closer to the Lord than I am now. But, well, he still loves me because he's the God of grace and he's the God of mercy. What's going to happen is I'm going to get further and further. And I can exist for a little while out of all the goodness that I experienced when I was abiding in his love. But then I begin to dry up spiritually if I'm over here. I, there's, you know, I've lost the link. And I'm still praying and I'm still doing all the stuff, you know. I'm still praising God, but somehow it's not so real and things aren't happening and the prayers don't seem to get answered as they were when I was over there. Now, I could choose to become disillusioned and even go further away and come to a point of what we call backsliding. Does he still love me? Yes. Am I abiding in his love? Definitely not. So what's going to happen? Well, he's waiting, just like the father in the parable of the prodigal. He's waiting for me to come back. When I come back, there'll be a feast. Just like there was for that repentant son. But while I'm over here, I'm on my own. I've separated myself in a way that the father and the son can't make their home with me over here. So he waits for me to come back. 
and say, Lord, I realize you want me living in your best all the time. And I can only love because you first loved me. And if I separate myself from the flow of your love in my life, it will immediately be seen because I will no longer be able to love my brother or my sister in the way that you love me. And if I stop living like this and start to live like this, I will be living for myself, not for them. And if I don't live for them, I'm not living for you, Lord. I'm living for myself. So Jesus waited until the Last Supper to tell all these things. Father and the Son will come and make their home with you. How wonderful. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. How wonderful. But there's a new covenant now. And in this new covenant, sealed with my blood, you are to love one another as I have loved you. And you are to lay down your life for one another. You see, you could hear a message like this and say, this is too much for me. I think I'll go to another church where they don't, where they don't preach and teach such stuff. Well, you can, but unfortunately, on the day of judgment, God is going to hold you accountable for separating yourself from those that he called you to love. You can't love people by separating yourself from them. now you've heard the message, you've got no excuse for not obeying it. And on the day of judgment, you, you can't say, oh Lord, if only I'd realized how important it was to love my brother, then I'd have done something about it. That's how the goats speak on the day of judgment, not the sheep. And the Lord would say, oh yeah, I sent Colin Urka to you in June 2014. He brought you the message. You've got no excuse. Actually, message has been in your Bible ever since you bought it. Because all we've been doing is quoting the words of Jesus. So, we are God's covenant people. We are the people of love. See how these Christians love one another. That love that was so evident in the early church turned Jerusalem and then the world upside down. Doesn't America need such love? Doesn't California need such love where there's so much superficiality, you know, so much pastiche, so many facades that people build up? God wants the genuine article. Are you the genuine article?
doing my best with them, Father, really. I don't know. <laughs> that was a question and nobody answered it. Are you the genuine article? Come on, let's get to our feet. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Just close your eyes. Focus on Jesus for a moment. This is not a message that can be answered in five minutes of prayer. The only way to respond to this message is with the rest of your life. But as you stand there, thank Jesus that he's called you, chosen you to be part of the new covenant sealed with his blood. The covenant of love. And in that covenant of love, you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But you obey also this new command to love one another. That means to give love, but also to receive love. To let your brothers and sisters love you because you don't have an independent spirit. But you are willing to give. You're willing to receive. You're willing to bless others and be blessed by them. You're willing to serve and be served. So just say thank you, Jesus, for making me a part of this covenant, a member of your body, called to abide, to remain in your love. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful promise that as I seek to live in obedience to your command to love others as you have loved me, so the Father and the Son come to make their home with me. And that love that you have poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit will flow out of my life like rivers of living water. Now some of you might need to quickly say, Lord, forgive me for my independent attitudes, for my selfishness. Forgive me for just wanting to be part of a church to be blessed rather than to be a blessing. Just to receive rather than to give. Thank you, Lord, that you open my eyes to what it really means to be church. A body of people living for you by living for one another. Loving you by loving one another. Lord, we pray your anointing upon this whole church that it will be a light in the midst of spiritual darkness. That the love that there is here for one another will draw the hundreds and even the thousands out there who need to be part of such a loving, 
body of people. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is here right now. Just ask, just ask for that fresh release of the spirit of love in your heart. If there's any of you that have strayed from that place where you used to be abiding in the love, that little drama that I showed you of how you can easily get out of that place, just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm coming right back. This morning I'm coming right back. Thank you. This is a timely message for me coming right back to abide in that love to love you by obeying your commands to love others as you have loved me thank you Lord you welcome me back thank you Lord that you're going to feel at home with me now let all of us just thank the Lord for this wonderful promise that the Father and the Son come to make their home with us. Lord, we praise you. Just speak out your praise. Just speak out your praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, speak it out. Let him hear it. Of the overflow of your mouth, of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Oh, we thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's people say, I tell you, I can't uh, think of a more appropriate message for the fourth Sunday of the month because, you know, as a church, we're all about next steps. What's, how, how do we live this out? Like, how do we actually apply this message? Well, the fourth Sunday of every month is our Dream Team 401 class. And what's the Dream Team? The Dream Team are people who are living their lives, laying down themselves for the other people of our church. The dream team is the ushers, the greeters, the cameramen, the people who work in the parking lot, coastline kids. That's the dream team. They're the ones that are fulfilling this message that have realized that this church is not about me just being a consumer, but church is about me being a contributor. Like, where's my place in the body? If you look at our logo, there's four cups on the logo look like dots they're actually cups the fourth cup and really the vision of our church is to help you drink out of those four cups and with your time here you'll understand what all four of those cups are but the fourth cup that our 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 desire for you to drink out of is what the jews call the cup of praise and it's god making his home god made an i will covenant to the nation of israel i will be your god you will be my people And that's what it is, being a part of the body, the family, being part of him, which is finding your place. Because there's the happiest people in our church are the people who are doing this message. The people who are laying down their lives for each other, the dream team of our church, they're the most fulfilled people here. They're the happiest people here. Why? Because they get to show up every week and be a part of making this whole thing happen and sing lives change. So I have a feeling we're going to need to order some more food for our 401 class today. But I encourage you, come at 1230 today and find your place. Find out how you can lay your life down for each other. Find your place on the dream team. Begin to serve and be a part of making this happen every week. Be a part of seeing God move inside of people's hearts and lives every week. Not just attending and watching it happen from the sidelines, but being on the field and being a part of it being a part of it because that's the most fulfilling part that's when church really becomes exciting when you're 
doing it, when you're on the field, because when, when, it's a team effort. I, I, I literally have the smallest job here, to be honest. You know, I, I get to stand up and speak every week, but that's the smallest job. The people working in Coastline Kids, the dream team in the parking lot, the people at the door, they're much more important than me and what God is doing every weekend. Because if they don't do their job, it really doesn't matter how well I speak. People aren't ready to, to really hear from God or receive from God. So it's the dream team that, that's really making a difference in people's lives for God to really move. And you have an opportunity to be a part of that. So I want to encourage you to join us at our Dream Team 401 class today and find out how you can lay your life down for each other. Wasn't that great today? Pastor Colin, thank you. Next week, next week we'll jump right back into our With Honor series. Have a wonderful week, everyone. In my wrestling, in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out